and welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Dr. Francesco Giganti, Associate Professor and Honorary Consultant in Radiology at University College London. Francesco is an acknowledged leader in researching imaging of the prostate and in, in identifying new approaches to improve its accuracy in diagnosis and its effectiveness in treatment. He has co-authored over 200 publications reporting on investigations into multiple clinical, technological, and systemic challenges to prostate imaging, and his work has had and continues to have profound impact on clinical practice. He's here today to talk about how MRI has transformed the diagnosis and treatment of prostate cancer and what challenges need to be overcome to ensure that this transformational and continually evolving element of the diagnostic pathway is available and accessible to all men. Francesco, thank you so much for joining me today. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you so much, Claire, for inviting me. So I'm really excited to dig into this because, you know, it's people like you and, you know, the technology and the clinical practice behind it that are really driving some of the changes in, in prostate cancer, obviously diagnosis and treatment, but patients don't often understand this. So I'm I'm so glad you're here to, to help patients and, and their families understand why this is so crucial and to help them ask the right questions, you know, as they go forward down the pathway. Um, so I think the first question, just to set the stage, is to ask you how multiparametric, you can define that, MRI has changed the narrative and practice around diagnosing and treating prostate cancer over the last decade, or you tell me the period that we should be focusing on. Yeah, thank you so much for the, the question. So basically, the first thing I have to say, actually, is that the first prostate MRI um, was built in 1982, so it's almost 40 years now, even more than 40 years, 41 years, uh, since we had the first uh, prostate MRI scanner. Of course, I mean, it wasn't like nowadays, so it wasn't widespread, the quality wasn't that good, but actually the first studies on prostate MRI uh, were done in 1982. So in terms of the multiparametric MRI, as you said, um, we usually have this scan um, that comprises three different sequences the diffusion-weighted sequences, and then the final uh, bit, which is the injection contrast, the so-called DCE, dynamic mm -hmm. contrast mm -hmm. enhanced sequences. So this is how they call, um, why they call it a multi-parametric MRI, three different sequences. And there has been a, a, a huge increase in the use of prostate MRI over the last 10, day, 10 years. Um, it's really important, actually, to uh, stress that we have been busily working with the relevant professional bodies and the experts to uh, develop training and guidelines for uh, the use of prostate MRI uh, across the country and, of course, in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so basically the, one of the most important things is to have a good quality MRI where you have the three different sequences, the multiparametric MRI approach uh, that can be carried out very uh, accurately. Yeah. Okay. Um, and just quick questions. I mean, is the quality, you use the word quality of these scans, is is, is it agnostic of the, the, the strength of the magnet, you know, 1.5 versus 3, um, or, and similarly, the, the, the brand or the, the maker of the MRI? In other words, is how important is the machine itself? Yeah, this is a really interesting question, actually. So uh, the first thing I have to say is that uh, we are very lucky because we have international guidelines, the so-called pirate recommendations, that basically set out the minimal technical requirements that we need to have in order mm -hmm. to have good quality MRI. So basically, they tell you how to acquire 
the different sequences according to uh, some standards, technical standards. Uh, as you know, there are two different uh, magnets, as you said, 1.503T uh, magnets, so two different kinds of uh, MR machines. And of course, there are different vendors. It's not a matter of the vendor, and it's not a matter of the magnet. Of course, a 3T scanner is better uh, than a 1.5T scanner, but a well-optimized 1.5 Tesla uh, scanner um, can be of a diagnostic quality. So it can produce very good uh, quality, uh, very good uh, images of very good quality. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing is that the machine itself is ready to uh, acquire the images. Appropriately. So yeah, it's really important that we stick to some technical recommendations in order to have a standardization of the acquisition of the images. Okay, so than... so that's clear. But then let's move on to the actual human, and we, we might we might get on what's post-human eventually in this conversation. But the moment, both the radiographer and people like yourself, the radiologist, what's what's their role? What's your role in shaping practice? So I think, actually, as you said, I mean, I, we have we have different people working around this. And in terms of radiology, the radiographers and the radiologists need to work together in order mm -hmm. to produce good quality images. So the first thing, as I said, is the acquisition of good quality images. And for this, the radiologist plays a vital role because the radiologist is the one uh, helping the patient scan the patient, which means that uh, is helping you to lie flat on the bed of the MR machine and then acquire the images of your prostate. It can give you um, the bascopan to reduce the peristalsis of your bowels. And of course, it's really important also that it acquires good quality images when it comes to injecting the contrast. The other bit is the radiologist. So it's uh, the consultant radiologist who is reporting your scan. It's mm -hmm. really important you have a skilled radiologist, very experienced in reading prostate MR scans. And uh, it's really important that the radiologist is trained on how to read prostate MR scans, because we have seen that, of course, let's piece radiologists are not as good as the experienced one in terms of diagnosis, significant prostate cancer. And this is a really another really important thing. Basically, we need to be able to rule in and rule out the presence of clinically significant prostate cancer, which is what we are looking for in a good quality MR scan. So two main actors on the stage, the radiographer and the radiologist. Of course, then we have other um, very important people like the urologist uh, or the MR physicist, second at the machine, but in terms of radiology, it's the radiographer and the radiologist. I mean, what's interesting is obviously the patient will encounter um, the radiographer because the radiographer is, is actually, as you said, you know, helping the patient in the actual acquisition of the image. But, but the radiologist doesn't, in normal practice, interact or engage with the patient, correct? Yes. Yeah, so uh, it depends, basically. Um as you know, and I will be completely honest with you, uh, there is a shortage of uh, radiologists in the world, I would say, not only in the UK, in the world. So, of course, it's really important the radiologist is on site because when we are injecting contrast, the uh, a doctor needs to be there, must okay. be there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But of course, in terms of, uh, you know, positioning the patient, that is something that is done by the radiographer. Then, of course, the radiologist is there looking at the images. And it's really important, actually, that some images, if are not a good quality, are acquired again. Okay, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess the next question is, I mean, you talked earlier about standards that are being set both um, internationally and, and, and nationally here in the UK. Um, and before we get on to those, I mean, you, you, we've, we've got some key measurement points like the kind of machine and the training of the, um, the various um, healthcare providers, radiologists, radiographers. The next question I have is, so if we just take the UK, is this 
widespread across the NHS, for example, the norm? And in other words, do all men have equal access to the kinds of prostate MRI um, acquisition and reporting that you're describing? So this is another interesting question because, for example, in 2016, if I'm not wrong, there was a request by uh, some uh, by Prostate Cancer UK and BSUR, so it's the British Society of Urogenital Radiology, uh, to submit a freedom of information request to all the health regions to evaluate the uh, availability of pre-biopsy MRI uh, in the areas. And basically, it was seen, and of course, there is a discrepancy between academic and non-academic centers. Mm-hmm. As you know, academic centers have skilled radiologists with very um, they, they do a lot of research in prostate MRI, uh, while uh, non-academic centers are less exposed to, for example, um, more complicated cases of prostate MRI. In terms of um, the availability of prostate MRI across the country, of course, this is reflected in some areas, like, for example, in London, you have many, many, many centers do prostate MRI scans. In other parts of the country, uh, there are less uh, yeah, l- less centers doing prostate MRI. But one of the most important things for this is that when you uh, have your prostate MRI done, then this is uh, discussed at the multidisciplinary meeting where you have radiologists, oncologists, and urologists working mm-hmm. together. Is of course the first. The first thing is to have a good quality uh, MR scan, and the other thing is that your scan is discussed with uh, your local urologist, radiologist, and uh, other people involved in this uh, pathway. Mm. And so you're referring to the what we call the MDT in, in what you've just yes, said, the correct? MDT, team. Yeah. So, so actually, you've mentioned a couple of things that vary. I mean, aside from the the, the spec of the machine and possibly the tra- the training. Um, and the practice of the radiographer and radiology radiologist, um, the MDT could vary considerably too, from what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the MDT is one of the key steps in mm. the diagnostic pathway of prostate cancer. So if you have a suspicious prostate yeah. MRI, then mm. this needs to be discussed at a multidisciplinary level. Absolutely. So, yeah. so given that this is all, there, there's variation, and I appreciate your point about academic centers, you know, wh- how does this affect treatment and outcomes? I mean, is this actually measurable? Like, you know, there's better outcomes in London versus other parts of the country, or are there other ways that this is actually manifested? Yeah, again, as I said, I mean, I think, um, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say that it's really important that we have, the the, the, the first thing is to have good quality images. And I keep on saying that because then, I mean, we're lucky because if you have a prostate MRI scan, that this can be discussed and seen by many, many radiologists and urologists. So it's really important that you have, you do it from the beginning in the right way, in the correct way. In terms of outcomes, of course, uh, again, there you will need more uh, trained uh, surgeons, trained oncologists, trained radiologists um, working around you. And this is really important. I don't have any data about the uh, outcome actually in the different parts of the UK. But what I want to stress actually is that the UK is one of the, um, if not the only one in the world, one of the uh, most important countries in the world where the MDTs uh, take place. While there are other countries in the world where the MDTs are not that common. So it's really important that we're very lucky here in the UK to have this multidisciplinary approach to prostate cancer. So we're really well, that's a that's a positive. It's good to hear that. And I, I just want to pick up on something you um, mentioned um, a few minutes ago, which was about a shortage of radiologists. Um, and of course, the obvious question I'm going to ask is, do you see this as something that could be addressed through artificial intelligence? Will we see, you know, Professor Francesco Giganti embodied in an algorithm anytime soon? Right. So uh, first thing, 
of course, it's not only the radiologists, there's general shortage of doctors. The radiologists are really affected um, and nurses as well and other very important people working for prostate cancer diagnosis, for example. Um, in terms of the AI, I am a supporter of AI. I'm not against it. And the reason I'm saying that is because I strongly believe that AI will never replace the radiologist, but can help the radiologist. Mm -hmm. And one example, for example, is that uh, given the shortage of, I mean, uh, radiologists that we have, AI could play a very important role in screening the initial patients, for example, uh, skimming those patients who need to have a biopsy or who needs to be reported before other scans that might be negative, for example. But what I'm trying to say is that we should use AI, of course, not now we are not ready yet, but we should work and focus on this, basically, in having a tool that can help the radiologist in uh, basically uh, prioritizing the scans that need to be reported. Okay, I'm, so kind of uh, figuring out what the normal ones are so the radiologist can actually focus on the more interesting bits, yeah. And then I guess, is you know, given what we were talking about in terms of variation and we haven't really used the word inequality, but if I pull that into the discussion, do you think that you know part of the, the the positive benefits of artificial intelligence in this arena is that it would help reduce the inequalities across you know imaging centers and um, and ultimately help all men to get access to good quality radiology? Yeah, honestly, I think so. I'm I'm very optimistic actually about that. Of course, this is not something that I mean you can have uh, from one day to the other, but if we do it right from the beginning, I think AI will play a vital role in standardizing the acquisition of custom right? for example, and even the reporting can help also uh, for training purposes. Hmm. So we use AI in different ways in radiology. So yeah, very uh, strongly believe that we should, I mean, AI should deserve confidence, yeah. You know, trying to pull some of the strands that you, you've, um, you've presented here to, down to the, the patient level, what would be the top three things that patients need to know about imaging and how it impacts their diagnosis, treatment, and ultimately their outcome? I think the most important thing is that, so the patients, they need to look for good quality images. So they need to be sure that the images of their prostate is adequate. And for that, basically, they need to speak to the local GPs, for example, or the urologists, and they should go to centers that are doing good quality MRI. Of course, at the moment, there are no standardized ways of accrediting the different institutions, but there is a tendency now to have a standardized scoring system, for example, that help all the different machines to reach a minimum set of uh, um, technical recommendations that can provide you with good quality images. So the first thing is that the uh, patient is aware that his scan is of adequate diagnostic quality. Okay. The other thing he needs to know is that MRI is really important, not only for diagnosis, which is the first step, actually. You should always have an MRI before biopsy, but also it can be used in other settings like active surveillance or post-focal treatment or... Uh, in other different settings. So it's really important that the MRI, they don't see MR only as the initial diagnostic test and that's it. Okay, that's and two. Do you have one more? The other one is that patients need to know that MRI uh, is uh, very important because it has a very high negative predictive value, which means that uh, if uh, we don't see uh, something suspicious on MRI, we are quite confident that the MRI is negative. So there is no harm in delaying or avoiding a biopsy because the presence of clinical semi-prostate cancer, so important cancer, harmful cancer, is very low. 
Okay, that, that is important. Yeah. This needs to be seen, of course, in a general discussion with a urologist, with other parameters like the PSA that they have from their blood. So it's not only the image itself. It's really important that the patients understand that MRI is only one thing in the big scenario of prostate MRI and the uh, diagnosis of prostate cancer. So it's not only MRI. MRI is one of the most important tools, but not the single and the only one. Mm, it's just that what it's often they the patient has very little interaction with their own imaging. So I think it's um it's very important to sort of empower not only their knowledge, but possibly the questions and ultimately the uh, the actions they they take forward when they're discussing with their urologist. Yeah, I think, you know, as I said, I mean, it, it's really important that there is an open discussion with the urologist. And also, I mean, this, there is also an open discussion between urologists and radiologists. This is another level that does not involve the patients itself, but actually the urologists, the radiologists, and we're very lucky again here in the UK, work all together to mm. provide service. Well, that's very positive. And um, I think we'll end it on that. But I want to thank you so much for speaking with me today. I mean, this is such an important area. And most people would agree that, um, you know, the work you're doing and along with other colleagues, even in London and internationally, have really just changed the whole paradigm and, um, you know, sort of reduced the harm done, obviously, to to men, you know, reducing the number of biopsies, et cetera, and also offered them much more targeted treatment. So what you're doing is... Um, Super important, and it's really important that patients understand that. So thanks very much for, for speaking with me today. Thank you for, for the invite, and goodbye. A transcript of this interview and links to Francesco Giganti's research publications are available in the program notes on our website, along with further information on diagnostics and treatment for prostate cancer, as well as additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.